0: This episode is for Maria. Thank you for the tickets to see Tim Ferguson at Bathurst Entertainment Center last year. Hello, my name is Julia Butler and welcome to the second episode of Resilience. On July the 3rd, 2019, After months of tests and specialist visits, I received a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. This was not the first major health challenge I had faced. However, this diagnosis changed the path I had mapped out for myself for 2019 and beyond. As a trauma counsellor, I was well aware that the size of a challenge is not proportionate to a person's ability to cope with it. With the help of my friend, Charles, this podcast series has been created partly for me to strengthen my own resilience through exploring different ways that resilience is embodied and to also express myself creatively as I traverse the MS landscape. In this series, I want to explore how people see resilience and how it manifests in them. I will be asking people what sustains them through difficult times in their lives and what they do in order to strengthen their resilience. You will also hear through this podcast how important a supportive and connected community is to each of us. In this episode, I chat with the hilarious and multi-talented comedian, artist, writer and MS ambassador, Tim Ferguson.
1: The thing is, us having MS in 20 or 30 years will no longer be cool. People will no longer want to tune in to our Uh, podcast Podcast. chats because we'll just be like all the other older people because everybody will have a complaint of some kind.
0: I've always been a fan of Tim and the Doug Anthony all-stars. When I got my diagnosis Tim and my aunt were the first people with MS I thought of and if I had a fraction of his energy there'd be no stopping me. Hi Tim thank you so much for talking to me this is not something I'm used to doing. I'm usually a counselor, and I normally see people in that kind of role. but um, also you're the listener.: I'm usually the listener, that's right. right. Absolutely. Wow. Well, at least I'm in the hands of a professional. I'm having my MS journey because I've got a recent diagnosis. and um, so as part of doing podcasts with Charles, um, the general theme is about resilience. But I wanted to do one that was more specific and was about MS. So that's why I contacted you, having also been a fan over the years.
1: So thank you very much for for talking. It's it's my pleasure, Julia. It's great to talk to you. And uh, I think what you do is quite extraordinary. Um, well, that's the thing. I'm not I, at this point I'm not counselling
0: doing counselling anymore. Oh, <laughs> I kind yeah. of kinda of felt like I've got my own trauma now. <laughs> I need to concentrate on that. Oh well let me counsel you. <laughs> that would be great. I mean yeah, you, yeah you've certainly um had the knowledge that you've had MS for a lot longer than I have.
1: There are more than twenty-five thousand Australians who now deal with MS. I mean one person's too many. Yeah. There's a new uh, MS Connections campaign that they've developed that has something that actually you, uh, Julia, should uh, look at getting on to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like a connections hub where you can just get in touch with other people with MS and uh, even though it's different for everybody.
0: Yeah, I keep hearing that.
1: (laughs) At least. Yeah, We can commiserate with each other and go, Oh my god, oh my have god, you got that-, that one
0: as well, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs>
1: yeah. or also yeah. the other one is saying, That's nothing, what you got a bit of numbness, that's nothing, baby, that's nothing, exactly. One of the
0: first things I did was join a few MS Facebook groups, and there's um a lot of that, isn't there, on, on those groups of um, oh, this is happening and this is happening, and yeah, and um, and I think it's so important, um, just to have. Someone say, "Yeah, indeed, yes, I have that, and it's okay. You know, you will manage that." Oh yeah, because I think it's often a first point of call for people when they get the diagnosis.
1: Absolutely, of course. You know, the one thing to get used to is when people say, "Oh my God!" When someone looks across the table and says, "Well, we've tested, tested you, and we prodded Mm. you and poked you because it does take a long time, Mm. as they have to eliminate all the other." Uh, often more sinister things that your symptoms might indicate but when they settle on multiple sclerosis the next thing they will start saying is well we don't know well i don't know there's no way of knowing what's going to happen i don't know i'm just a neurologist i only spent seven years at university i Um, know i need another 10 And the other thing they say is, oh, that's not a symptom of
0: MS. No, I don't know why you've got that. And (laughs) then you you talk to other people with MS and they go, yeah, of course that's a symptom of
1: MS. (laughs) Well, everything your brain does can be affected by multiple sclerosis because for the listener it's basically caused by the erosion of the myelin, which is like the rubber tubing around every nerve in your central nervous system. Mm. which means that whatever your brain does can be affected. Yeah. Although it doesn't give you a rash is one of the things. If you've got a rash, (laughs) then that's because, you know, if you keep your hands off it, that rash will clear up fairly quickly. (laughs) But most of the time, uh, if you've got a new wacky symptom, then, you know, and you have MS, then it's probably related in some way. If not, you know. Uh, see your medical professional I mean that's right. it is an important thing that Maynard and I always say don't take medical advice from a podcast
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah so wacky symptoms I wonder what some of your wackiest symptoms have been have there been any that have really surprised you huh.
1: well I had crossed eyes my eyes crossed Julia
0: oh yeah that's right
1: and that was like Well, I thought, well, at least I'm a comedian because. (laughs) (laughs) But I was walking around with an eye patch for quite some time. Mm. But um, one thing about uh, my eyes crossing, I'm not sure what the medical name for it is. Mm. Yeah, is that it's amazing how your brain will instantly adjust. Mm. So that I could go jogging, I could go jogging down a busy street. And have no problems of bumping into things hmm. because your your brain just concentrates or you consciously concentrate on the information you get from one of your eyeballs.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And ignore the other one.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it wasn't that bad. And, you know, if my eyes had stayed cross, I could've made a fortune, but damn it, it got better. That's yeah. relapsing, remitting MS for you. It's it's really quite promiscuous. Mm, Yeah. Oh, indeed. I've got
0: to tell you about this really weird symptom that I've got, um, only because it is so weird. I haven't told many people, but um, I go through stages where when I look at people, their skin takes on the appearance of coral and it's kind of moving and sometimes it's green. It's really weird.
1: Well, I would blame that on the people. (laughs) Yeah.
0: They could be these reptile people, maybe. Yeah, don't take it
1: from <laughs> yourself. You could be one of the people. Yeah, yeah, the lizard brain people. But yes, yeah, so that's, that's a bit of a trip. Don't <laughs> always blame yourself. And there's some things Ms. can't be blamed for, and one of them's Donald Trump. But now I think there might be another one.
0: Well, people think he is a reptile, so one of the reptile people. But I thought he was yeah. a goose. But yeah. It's really interesting in telling my husband, you know, oh, I've got this really interesting symptom today and and he doesn't know whether to be worried or um, interested or um, (laughs) grateful that he doesn't have it.
1: Well, at least he's got a selection.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly.
1: Just let him choose. (laughs) I mean, a lot of people, you know, uh, do go into a bit of a spin, you know, once they're told um they have ms because you know ms is the kind of thing without wanting to freak everybody out but it can get very very bad but like mm. but in the same way as male pattern baldness can <laughs> can become very very bad to the point where you know It's only when they're holding on to their last hairs that it really looks tragic. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, but there are many cases where it remains invisible to people. So I can't tell that when you look at me, Julia, you're seeing coral all over my face.
0: No, I haven't. Uh, I saw your show out at Bathurst um, and you definitely didn't look like you had coral um, on you at that stage. Well,
1: so long as I had something on (laughs)
0: And that was, it was, I just have to say, it was such a great show. And what I really noticed, because that was very soon after I I was diagnosed, so I was in that stage of uh, looking around for people that might give me some indication of what my life might turn out to be like. (laughs)
1: Right. Yeah. Someone who was smiling.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And because I used to see the Doug Anthony All-Stars down at the Harold Park Hotel, um, you know, I, I knew that you had been diagnosed with MS. But apart from that, the only other person I knew of was my aunt who had been diagnosed 45, 50 years ago. So there were no treatments then and she had a painful, terrible time and is dead. But it was really good to have gone to the show and to hear that, you know, there's been no no kind of winding back of that full-on I think it was described as manic or crazed humour that you guys had with the Doug Anthony All-Stars. So that was it was really good to see someone still doing it and so I can do it too was uh, the effect that the
1: show had on me. Oh, that's good. I mean, whatever you do in life, and as you mentioned that, you know, you work as a counsellor and things, really you can usually keep doing. It's just sometimes... You may have to find new ways to do it. So it's about finding a new way to do what you do. So now I don't just tour as a comedian because, you know, there's only so long I can be on the road Mm -hmm. touring. I do about six months a year of touring and travelling and going one way or the other.
0: That's a lot.
1: That's Yeah, I mean, for anyone, it would drive them mad, but... I'm just stubborn. But eventually, you know, I'll just get sick of that and find new things. So I teach comedy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, we're producing new TV shows. I'm making another movie, finding other ways to get to people to make them laugh, hopefully.
0: Mm, mm. Well, I am I just kind of had a look through um, at all the things that you're doing and it's, it's huge,
1: Tim. Oh, it's ridiculous.
0: Are you... Busier now than you used to be,
1: or yeah, I'm just overachieving just to be bloody minded. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> like when you talk about resilience, mm. I was thinking about resilience, yeah, and it relates back to what Socrates said. Socrates said that the only thing that works in life is persistence mm-hmm. and really. Resilience is just that. It's being able to persist in doing what you want to do. It's just with multiple sclerosis or any kind of disability or any kind of infringement on your abilities to find a way to, you know, make the water keep trickling downwards. Yeah. So it's about persistence. Like if you want to be a dentist, nobody wants to be the dentist's first patient. (laughs) <laughs> Have you ever gone to a dentist, a young dentist, who says, you know, congratulations because you're my very first drill? <laughs> you know, everybody wants to go to the, you know, the 50-, 60-year-old dentist.
0: Yeah,
1: that's a very good point. Not the 18-year-old dentist. You've got to find the sweet spot, Julia. <laughs> that's true.
0: But, yeah, resilience is such, such a buzzword at the moment, isn't it? It's just everywhere. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's because persistence hurts too much. Yeah, true. Resilience is something people think they can do. Well, I just put on a, I just put on a helmet, and I will be resilient. Mm. Whereas persistent, um, I find more attractive because mm. it insists that you act. Yeah. Whereas being resilient is just like being, you know, saying, "I'm not going to let it affect my mood." Mm. Whereas the best way to change your mood is to get up and do something. That's right. Something. Walk, talk, dance. Anything. Listen to Kylie. Listen to Kylie. I haven't done that. Um. <laughs> she doesn't call you, but it's <laughs> worth <laughs> you know, Once she's on the phone, you can't get her off. Oh, okay. Oh, they're that mine. Oh, well, that's not Kylie Minogue. That's just a friend of mine called Kylie. Just a friend called Kylie. <laughs>
0: that's good. <laughs> something that just came out of the blue for me was this urge to make art and it just came out of nowhere and it's been really all-consuming but for you it had been part of your life before hadn't it
1: oh yeah I've always been painting and I mean I was never trained but it was about five years ago I met a guy called Damien Minton yeah and he said so how long you been doing this stuff I said oh well you know god it must be 35 years Mm-hmm. and he said well that's like you know learning an instrument by ear you can't mm-hmm. tell me you can't paint just because you didn't waste three years at art school yeah fair enough what kind of stuff are you painting julia
0: well this is the the weird thing i'm i'm not painting i'm making felt and i'm making artworks out of felt oh wow Um, so I'm, you know which i make from from wool and i'm i'm now dyeing the wool myself and dyeing silks and feel like I know some complete hippie weirdo, but, you know, growing vegetables that I can then use to make dyes from, To <laughs> like it's just where will this stop? It's a, a rabbit hole I've gone down. But um, What vegetables do you, like beetroot and that kind of thing? Well, that's the thing, yeah. And look, avocado stones give you mm. lovely shades of pinks. Um, like dusky kind of pinks, and onions give you these kind of yellows and chartreuse kind of colours. Wow! Um, um, there's a whole range of colours you can get from eucalypts um, as well. So for me, like I, um, my problem is that I don't have enough time in the day to do all the things that I'm, I've suddenly thought of doing. But um, yeah, so I, I, I just love it, and it's become something that has helped me enormously so uh and I guess like the day that I got the the diagnosis of MS from the the MS clinic um I came home and I was up most of the night just making things and and it's lovely it gives you that focus and it takes a long time and it's very forgiving and there's bright colors so
1: there's you know lots of nice things it's like Paul Livingston said to me he's he's like he's a masterful painter but yeah. he said, it takes my mind off taking my mind off things. <laughs> That's a good quote. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, a clever little man. Aww. It also activates, you know, different parts of your brain, keeps them awake. Mm. It's not just distracting. It's that uh, mm. it wakes up, you know, other parts of your brain so you start thinking about different things and mm. gives you different perspectives.
0: Oh God, and I just don't know where I'd be without it. So I'm very grateful to the universe. Where can we see your art? So I've got a, um, an Instagram page, and my I guess my handle is um, Heartfelt Underscore
1: Fibers. Get onto that, listeners. Get onto it. <laughs> Buy everything. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just. It's wonderful to have something. And I, when I, I think about all the things that you're doing, though, what are the things that do give you the most pleasure?
1: I do love performing. That's always good fun because you get to go on stage and stir people up. Yeah. I really enjoy the teaching, too, because um, I teach people narrative comedy, which isn't uh, how to be a stand-up comedian because there are much better stand-up comedians who do a much better job at that. But I teach people how to write funny movies, funny sitcoms. Okay. Uh, you know, screenwriting and playwriting, things with stories, things with characters. And I do like teaching that particularly to uh, writers who are experienced writers, as I did the other night in Sydney.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the Writers Guild gathered a whole bunch of writers and uh Like there were people who've been writing everything from Neighbours to, you know, big Australian blockbuster movies. Mm -hmm. And I sit there and tell them how to write comedy. And even the experienced people afterwards were saying, I never looked at it that way. Oh, I didn't realise it was that simple. Oh, by the way, sorry, I'm just looking at your Instagram, heartfelt underscore fibres, F-I-B-R-E-S. Yep. And... These colours are amazing. I know. Listener, you've got to get onto these. There's one (laughs) with these floating (laughs) onions where you've used all the onion colours. That's right. This is incredible. Oh, right, so you're not kidding. You know what you're doing with this stuff. This is wonderful. Yeah, I I love it. I just love it. Thanks, Tim. Oh, like if if you're a knitter out there, like there are skeins, if that's Uh, the right word, of, of wool. Oh, you get, yeah. What makes those pinks? Did you say, is that onions?
0: Uh, yeah, well, some of those I've bought commercial dyes. Oh, right. Yeah. Rhubarb and beetroot can give you incredible colours as well. Well, aren't they great
1: things to say? They are. In a crowd if you've got nothing else to say. Rhubarb, rhubarb. Yeah, beetroot, beetroot. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you look like you're talking to someone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. I am on a bit of a, a crusade at the moment. Um, uh, talking about people with disabilities and employment. Yeah, and in a way, during the pandemic, uh, which will be over soon, you know, let's not panic. It's, there is an end date to it. Hmm. Um, uh, but during the pandemic is a good time to talk about employing people who have disabilities, uh, in particular invisible disabilities. It may be mental illness, or it could be the symptoms of um something neurological like multiple sclerosis yeah that when someone goes for a job ideally they should be feel relaxed and free to say oh by the way you can't tell but i have multiple sclerosis mm. and have that as being no risk to them being employed
0: yeah absolutely but it's not that not real though is it it's it, that doesn't happen
1: no no Uh, women are still having a hell of a time, even just getting equal pay. Yeah, yeah. And they've been pushing at this for, well, the dawn of time, but also for the last 150 years um, when, uh, you know, the suffragettes emerged and uh, women in the workplace became, you know, a commonplace, Mm. common sense necessity. But people with disabilities are still... Off the radar. Yeah. And so I'm calling on women who are actively political, actively feminist, to include people with disabilities into their thinking because, you know, boys are stupid and they never get together to have meetings about how hard it is to be boys unless they're jerks. Right. Okay. (laughs) Whereas, you know, a lot of women are far more practised in getting together and working out. You know, who's going to write the speech, the letter? Are we going to march? Are we going to meet? And people with disabilities at the moment are invisible. They're as invisible as a lot of their symptoms.
0: Absolutely. And that's
1: got to change.
0: Absolutely.
1: I mean, only two years ago did the Barbie doll makers release. Barbie in a wheelchair. Like how long's Barbie been around? She's old enough to have lived and died. She's been around that long. That's a good point. That's a good point. Only now she's getting in a wheelchair. And where is, you know, Barbie with very dark sunglasses and a stick? You know, they've got to start yeah. Making their stuff normal, which is, you know, what it is really. That's right. Absolutely. People with disabilities aren't that interesting.
0: Well, they just there's nice ones and not nice ones just like everyone else you know it's just the same as everyone else
1: (laughs) yeah there's idiots like me if you are an employer people with disabilities as I say in my live show work longer work harder and don't complain
0: Uh I remember you saying that Mm.
1: yeah and you have to pay them exactly the same so you might as well get out and exploit people with disabilities because (laughs) we're up for it
0: And there were a lot of people um, with a a disability at your show. I thought that was, you know, obviously fantastic. Is that the case everywhere you go?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's always good seeing people, you know, turn up with all sorts of disabilities and, you know, and having a laugh. Mm. A lot of people think, oh, man, comedy, you know, you can't laugh Mm. at disability. Uh, unless you've got one. Well, that's not really true. No. Um, because the first people to make jokes about whatever their disability is other people who have the disability. They're happy for other people to laugh.
0: Yeah, yeah. We've
1: yeah. got to relax about this stuff. There's too much stress about, ooh, I said the wrong word or I called it the wrong thing. It's vision impaired, not blindness. Yeah. You know, to a person who is vision impaired to the point of being blind, they don't care. And what they really are interested in is, are you going to give me a job? Are you going to treat me as an equal? Mm. Are you going to please pass me those chips?
0: Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. I imagine this might have been something that happened to you, but the minute you get into a wheelchair, um, people stop talking to you and they'll, Talk to people around you. Oh yeah! Um, instead,
1: oh, quite often, yeah, they will, and so they will ask questions for the person who's pushing me in the wheelchair. Does Tim want a drink? It's like, <laughs> who the hell? Did, what? <laughs> you think I've lost my mind? I'm just not not bothering standing up. Yeah. and, you know, and I've do I've they shout? <laughs> and
0: they shout yeah, at you yeah, if you're yeah. in a wheelchair. So you've gone deaf as well. Yeah. Um, I've, I've yeah. thought
1: ahead and brought my own furniture. Does that give you <laughs> the right to ask other people, does Tim want this? It's like, well, you know, it's disappointing, but it's only because I mean they're mm. trying. They they've made it a conscious decision when they do that. So they are trying. It's not that they're completely ignoring the fact that there's an idiot in a wheelchair right in front of them,
0: mm-hmm. is they're not
1: quite sure uh how they feel about looking down mm. and asking is there anything you want so i kind of give people the benefit of the doubt oh good on you i tell you one thing though julia
0: what's that um
1: when you are going down the street in uh new york london toronto if you're being pushed in a wheelchair people will stop until you have gone about your way okay Uh, they'll just stop. Like if you're in a supermarket and you go, oh, I want those peas, people will stop as you cross and get the peas. In Australia, because, you know, well, it's full of Australians, (laughs) people will get out of your way by going about their way faster. Okay. So their solution to the problem is not to stop and let you sort yourself out because it's got a degree of difficulty. Their way is to fix the problem by just fixing their own problem at a greater speed. God bless them. God bless you, Australia. Modern Australia was a convict (laughs) colony. Oh, really?
0: (laughs) I didn't know there was such a difference. There is. I mean, it's
1: quite extraordinary, yeah. Uh, Mm. The only other place where they tend to do that is Ireland. Go figure. But otherwise, Mm. everywhere else, they just stop, Mm. partly because they've been Um, well-trained. Australians all... They'll always say, "Do you want a hand with that?" Or you know, they're very, um, they're very polite in those terms. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, get in a wheelchair and see how people change direction, and they don't. <laughs>
0: right. Was it a really huge thing about getting into a wheelchair
1: um, for you,
0: like that transition from a walker or a stick to a wheelchair, or was it a relief, maybe?
1: Getting the stick, a walking stick, was the biggest decision because I fought it for a long time and Mm. that was the thing because having invisible symptoms, then I could have MS and it was nobody's business Mm. and nobody was going to worry, nobody was going to panic. Mm. But I knew as soon as I get a walking stick, people are going to start asking why and then, you know, I'd have to make a decision. So that was the... That was the thing. It meant that having MS would then become a part of conversations. But I found a way around that, Julia. What was that? I just over (laughs) explain Okay. Oh, yes. So when people would say, what's wrong with your leg? I would give them a five-minute treatise on multiple sclerosis and the various effects it can have. Mm. And, of course, after the one-minute mark, people are like cats being held over a bucket (laughs) of water. (laughs) They want to go anywhere else but have to listen to this. But because you've got a walking stick and because the idiots did poke their nose into your business, Mm. Mm. you have every right to be able to get them passed through the point of boredom then through the point of irritation you get them to the point of fear that they may be stuck (laughs) there for the next 20 minutes an intense regret (laughs) terrible regret (laughs) and then they never ask anybody again
0: (laughs) you just reminded me i did have one experience where i've done that to one of my family extended family members and i remember watching his his face change and the fear appear in his eyes (laughs) (laughs) i was just going i just don't give a shit i'm just going to say how it is because it's it's, it's shit today, and then he's going to hear it.
1: <laughs> yeah, listeners, be careful. Never ask anybody, why are you wearing those sunglasses at night? Uh, why are you in that wheelchair? Why, why have you got that? Because, you know, if they've heard me talk or met Julia, they will know that the <laughs> best way to teach you is to corner you and just give you everything. Well, multiple sclerosis, there are a variety of theories. <laughs> One of them is blah, 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 blah,
0: blah. Do you get a lot of unsolicited bad advice?
1: Oh, terrible!
0: Isn't it I mean, terrible? Oh God! <laughs> What's some of the worst that you've had?
1: Oh, look, uh, homeopathy. Yeah. Um, people, look, I, I know that you work in the woolen industries. So yeah, but that's <laughs> but
0: tangible; you can see it. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to it's upset real. you.
1: But homeopathy is what is the technical term? Is bull twang? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. I use twang. Do you mind? Do you sorry, mind?
0: Sorry, I'm I'm lowering the tone.
1: <laughs> and I'm a Doug Anthony Ulster and I even uh-huh. use twang. Mm. I'm, I was looking at a website this morning uh, where uh, it's homeopathy for weight loss. Okay, well, it's not going to make you fat because it's just water.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, homeopathy for different types of asthma, and immediately we've stepped into dangerous territory. Mm. Mm. Asthma is, you know people's oxygen supply, Mm. Uh, homeopathy for autism, Mm. homeopathy for uh, people who have had too much homeopathy. (laughs) And I get these messages from these people, and I have zero tolerance, but I keep it to myself. Mm. I just say, thank you, and that will do. Because why get into a conversation? Because I learned over Twitter... I did get into a conversation about a woman who was trying to push homeopathy. Uh, The idea of homeopathy is they get a thing Mm. that is related to the thing that's giving you a hassle Mm. and they dilute it and dilute it and dilute it until it is no longer existent on a molecular level Mm. in the substance that you eat, which can be a sugar pill or the water that you drink. Yeah. So it's no longer there. Yeah. But she said, well, you just have a closed mind. And I had to come back to her and saying, well, actually, um, having a closed mind is a symptom of multiple sclerosis. (laughs) You know, because um, if you believe in homeopathy, um, good, great, good, because it shortens the length of the queue at a chemist where we get proper medicine. Yeah, that's right. It does not work for autism, leg cramps, weight loss, asthma. It does not work. It does not exist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it is still uh, more than a billion-dollar industry in Australia because homeopaths are very soothing people. Mm,
0: yes, that's a good point. But, yes, it just doesn't exist. I was talking to someone about wacky theories one of the theories they've been told about was being stung by bees as a way of curing MS have you heard that one
1: yeah I have heard that one and um my response to that whenever I hear it is well how about you get stung by bees and that's, tell me how that's working that's right
0: that's, you want yeah. me to get
1: stung by bees it's like people who say you should go to Mexico
0: and oh. have stem
1: cell therapy. I say, well, yeah. first you should go to Mexico yeah. and have stem cell therapy. Then come back and, you know, speak to me through a pipe. <laughs> Tell us what it's like. Because people will, as they are now, uh, they will believe in conspiracy theories, which are based upon a very simple principle, which is a lack of faith in proven science. Hmm like say there's 5G at the moment or oh, G5, Yeah, 5G. Um, people are carrying on about this. 5G It's going to kill us all. 5G ate my dog, you know, 5G, 5G. Um, mm-hmm. And the thing that they use as an argument is that, well, it hasn't been tested. Mm-hmm. But there's like one theory, for example, that your, your autoimmune system will be affected by 5G. Right, I haven't heard that. Yeah, I know. When someone said that to me, a person with MS who has a wonky autoimmune system, I tried to be polite. Mm. But the thing is, uh, she said, um, it hasn't been tested. They just haven't tested it. Well, the reason why it hasn't been tested is because the idea is bull twang. Yeah, yeah. There's more radiation coming from your TV remote when you press the button than there is from 5G.
0: Yeah, no, I would definitely back that up. And there's the theory that five G has caused the coronavirus, isn't there? There's, I've heard people say that.
1: I mean, if if you're an anti-vaxer, are you going to take the coronavirus?
0: No, they're not
1: uh, vaccine.
0: No, Uh,
1: if not, you get in for a really exciting couple of weeks Mm, with mm. one of the nastiest conditions. And don't kid yourself; it's a flu. It's horrible.
0: Yeah. Have you known people that have had it, Tim?
1: Yeah, yeah, a good friend of mine in the UK. And oh. Like he's a tough Glaswegian and he said, oh, oh it's nasty. Okay. And for Tommy to say nasty, it must be very must be. nasty. Absolutely. And it was touch and go, you know. He's a healthy guy and it was touch and go. Now
0: I'm just wondering, I'm, I've got that whole fatigue thing happening. I'm wondering how long... We've been talking because I'm suddenly, you know, that two days. It feels like two days, doesn't it? Suddenly, you get that. This, Charles doesn't know this because he doesn't have MS, but it's um, yeah, it's really full on, isn't it, Tim? When you just suddenly h- hit with um a blanket of something of tiredness and
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's on. you know, and it kind of means you know you've got to be thrown into a pool of cold water. Mm,
0: mm, that, well, that would work.
1: Oh, yeah, if uh, if you drive down to Blaney and go to the local <laughs> pool, that'll pretty well, that'll wake you up.
0: <laughs> so Blaney, how long did you live in Blaney for?
1: We were in Blaney for I think it was eight years, which was just mm. in the sweet spot coming out of primary school and okay. getting through uh, some high school and it was... Uh, It's a hell of a town. If you haven't been to Blaney, dear listener, you've got to go there, (laughs) B-L-A-Y-N-E-Y. It's near Bathurst, it's near Orange, Mm, and it's better than both of them because it doesn't have all the people. It doesn't have (laughs) all the shops, you know, getting in your way. It doesn't have the art galleries. It doesn't have all those things, you know, that are regarded as, you know, interesting Hmm. It's just Blaney. You go there and it is what it is. What brought about the move to Blaney? Oh, my dad had a very checkered kind of career. He went from war correspondent to uh, being executive producer of Four Corners and This Day Tonight and then got (laughs) fired in a, well, in a flaming ball of fire Hmm. and decided he was going to go and live in the country of course he was a country guy and yeah we went we went to Blaney which is a beautiful place to live so long as you've got a jumper mm. and a jumper to put on the jumper it's very very cold mm. it's ridiculously cold that's why we were up there he ran the local newspaper and we had you know beef cattle that's right cattle that ate beef there
0: you go it's a cannibal
1: cattle cannibal
0: cattle <laughs> One of the only things I, I, I know about Blaney is if we go out west, there's always a truck that has Blaney meat written on it that we always seem to drive past. So no matter, there's always somewhere in the drive. So I thought, well, there must be meat out there or a butchers or something out there. So, Tim, when I saw the show at Bathurst and I got my book signed by you at the end of the night, you gave me some really good advice believe it
1: or not. Don't trust Germans.
0: (laughs) Which was to um, keep my physio going. Oh, Um, yeah. So really, really thank you for that. I hadn't engaged with a physio at that stage, but I've since found just the most amazing physio that um, used to work in a neuro ward. And he's just, he's brilliant. So that's just a a quick aside. So thank you for that. So I love to show, I went out there, as I said quite early after getting my diagnosis and you know what that's like the shock of oh there's actually something really big that's wrong with me and what's what's my life going to be like and anyway and we you know we went out to drove out to Bathurst and we booked a night away and and it was kind of feeling like oh this this is okay we're going to be fine because and, and we are going to be fine because we are and most people will be but we were killing ourselves laughing through your show until we started telling the jokes about wearing nappies. And it was at that point that my husband and I just sat there trying very hard not to look at each other, which, in you know, in reflection is quite funny. But, um, yeah, I just had to share that with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a thing. One thing MS does is if you've got persistent symptoms, uh, say bladder weakness, or uh, frequency, as they call it, it gives you a precursor of what it will be like in 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. Us having MS in 20 or 30 years will no longer be cool. People will no longer want to tune in to our... Uh, podcast <laughs> chat because we'll just be like all the other older people because everybody will have a complaint of some kind.
0: That routine that you told was hilarious. I, I loved it. There you are at a nightclub and you've met someone and. You know, you don't want to risk the thing where you have to go off and go to the bathroom and they might leave or find someone else to talk to. So it's really cool to wear an Abby. Yes, it was. It was so funny, Tim.
1: And that other person is just amazed at your staying power. You just <laughs> yeah. keep dancing. You just keep dancing. Yeah. And if you're a boy, like your whole hip and crotch area just keeps <laughs> expanding.
0: That's another win.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know people you know people have to get over yeah. that sort of stuff because you know eventually um when they're older, you know the light bladder leakage is going to be a thing people, so you yeah. might as well start relaxing about it now
0: that's right, that's right, so yeah, that's fantastic, and I just loved it, loved that routine, except for the the shock of oh my god this could be me um in a little <laughs> while but anyway um so that was oh, that
1: it'll be everybody it'll yeah. get to them. you watch <laughs> yeah you the homeopath listener who insists on staying with us you'll yeah. be first
0: <laughs> and i think the thing that really shows through is you know your humor which was so crazy and obviously still is and it's fantastic I think it's something that gets me through is having a laugh and watching funny things on TV or watching, reading funny things. So thank you very much for your humour.
1: Oh, God, that's all right. I mean, what else are we going to do? Yeah. We can sit around and mope or do what everybody else is doing, staring at Netflix all day because, Mm. you know, their ability to leave the house with all of their friends has been momentarily lifted. I know. You know, they're... Everybody else is on our page. That's exactly all in exactly in shock, but it's just you relax, find something to do. Yeah, be resilient for God's sake. Be Resilient. Sake. Do all the things. That's right.
0: There was the um, talk back this morning. Um, Wendy and Robbie were talking about boredom, and I thought that fitted in so beautifully with resilience because you know the people that are really struggling with the lockdown. Um, the people you know that are bored and and can't cope with it any longer um, possibly wouldn't be as resilient I'm I'm wondering so it's the people that can be creative that can think of things to do that um, can sit with their thoughts um, that are probably going to handle it a lot
1: better yeah there's always something to do I know a lot of people you know aren't creative and say they're working at a pub part-time and now They don't have that at all, so they're stuck at home. What do they do? Mm. But it's not for me to tell you what to do, but if you're one of those people, uh, your options are very slim. Mm. You can slowly move slowly further down the rabbit burrow Mm. or you can think of something. Use your brain. It's a big human brain. Mm. That's right. Think of something to do, something to make, something, Mm. someone to call. That's right. Um, You know, there's no reason why you should be bored. So if you're bored and lonely and feeling yourself going into a rabbit hole, pick up a phone and call anyone, even Lifeline. Just call them up. They'll take the call. Keep the brain busy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or just sit and think.
1: Yeah, sit and think. You know, dear listener, particularly the homeopath, you never do that. You never sit and think when you're just sitting, you're meditating, which is emptying your mind. It's time to stop and think and get some synapses knocking together. I bet they're writing all this down so they can repeat it. So thank
0: you very, very much. It's really been lovely talking to you and thank you for making the time for this.
1: Oh, lovely talking to you, Julia, and thank you very much to Charles, your producer, who's been sniggering in the background.
0: (laughs) Yes, hasn't
1: he? Has he been just looking at his phone and reading? (laughs) Who knows? But thank you to you both. It's lovely to speak to you.
0: I hope you enjoyed my chat with Tim as much as I enjoyed talking to him. On the next episode, I'll be speaking with my friend and ex-colleague, Sonia, whose resilience was tested through a series of challenges over the past year. You know, obviously we were homeless, um, bushfires, we were flooded, we had a car accident and then we came home two days later and there was a massive snake in our lounge room. Oh, I forgot all of that. I know. So I hope you'll join me and Sonia on the next episode of Resilience. Resilience is an In Your Ears podcast presented and produced by Julia Butler, produced and edited by Charles Amsden with music by Night Radio. For more information on this and other podcasts, check out the In Your Ears podcast's Facebook page. And if you've enjoyed this episode,
1: please subscribe and spread the word.